thankful to uh, see you all this morning. I'm thankful to be uh, standing before you all this morning. I'm, I'm happy for for several several reasons. Um, uh, this is the last uh, the last Sunday of of 2020. Uh, well, let me say that better. 2020. <laughs> uh, and so uh, I'm excited to uh, be able to stand here and uh, share God's word with you all this morning. And I'm also excited to be able to stand and share God's word and not be preaching from the book of James uh, because it's finished. Uh, and so uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, as Wes mentioned, the text that we are going to be looking at today is uh, Matthew uh, chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at verses uh, 18 through 25. Now, uh, this is a narrative passage, and I am happy uh, that this narrative, this story, this true story, this history of Christ's birth and of his advent uh, is detailed here uh, in Matthew. And we just celebrated Christmas just a couple of days ago, and uh, we want to kind of reflect on the fact that, uh, that Christ, that Jesus is Emmanuel and uh, that he is God with us. So let's go to the uh, Lord in prayer and ask him to, again, bless our time. Father, uh, great prayers have been offered to you already on today. And Lord, I to all of the prayers that have already been offered, I say ditto. Uh, Lord, I, I pray uh, for this preaching moment that uh, men and women, boys and girls, uh, girls would, uh, would be called to faith and repentance under the truth of your gospel. Lord, I thank you, and I give you praise and glory and honor. It is in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit that I do pray. Amen. It seems as though uh, every time we turn on the TV or your smartphone, because who really watches TV these days, uh, that there is some kind of scandal uh, that is happening. Uh, someone has been caught uh, doing insider trading. Uh, someone has been caught in some kind of scandalous relationship. And so, unfortunately, our reality is that scandals are inescapable because we live in a broken world. My brothers and sisters, there are even uh, scandals in our very own Bible. And in the Bible, whenever scandals are introduced, they are meant to make us grapple with the fact that if God does not intervene in this situation, the scandal itself could put God's plan, God's sovereign plan, in jeopardy. Scandals in the Bible make us ask the question, how will God fulfill his sovereign plan despite the conflict which puts his plan in danger? My brothers and sisters, the Bible is filled with narratives of misuse and abuse, and it starts at the very beginning <laughs> with the fall 
of Adam. Yahweh planted a garden in Eden and placed Adam in the garden to work it and to keep it. He gave Adam the privilege of naming all of the animals of the earth. And when there was no creature uh, that was found compatible to Adam, God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. So God created woman. He created Eve as a helper who was equal with Adam. (laughs) And when Adam saw Eve in Genesis chapter 2, verse 23, he was so overwhelmed by the sight of Eve. He was so filled with joy that Adam burst into song. He says, this is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And I want you all, when you get time, to take a look at the the typeset and the format of Genesis chapter 2, verse 23, when you get a chance. It is likely that in your Bible that Genesis chapter 2, verse 23 is slightly indented and kind of justified to the middle of the page to show that Adam broke out in a poem or in a song when he saw Eve. So, in other words, when Adam saw Eve, he liked what he saw so much that he burst into song like Johnny Gill. And he said, my, 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 you sure look good tonight. But even this beautiful love story became marred by a scandal. Yahweh gave Adam and Eve the privilege to eat of the fruit from every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But what did they do? Well, they did just as you and I would have done. They introduced the world's first scandal. And my brothers and sisters, we are still living with the impact of their actions today. But, my brothers and sisters, this scandal would not stop God's plan to love and to commune with his creation. See, Yahweh promised that Eve's seed would crush the head of the serpent and fellowship with God would be restored. How about the story of King David? David was anointed to be the king of Israel as a young man. In 1 Samuel 17, the Bible shows us that Yahweh used David to slay the Philistine, the Philistine giant, Goliath. 1 Samuel 13, verse 14 tells us that David was a man after God's own heart. But in 2 Samuel chapter 11, King David got himself mixed up in a scandal. The book of 2 Samuel tells us that during the season that kings would typically go out to battle, King David sent out his men to do battle, but he remained in his palace, likely in Jerusalem. And while his soldiers were out in battle, while his soldiers were out to war, David sees one of this one of his very own soldiers' wives. Probably she was doing her 
her ritual washing. And King David takes advantage of the moment. And while her husband, who was in the army of David, while her husband is away fighting David's war, he takes advantage of the situation. This story is, it's in the Bible, folks. So I I want us to pause for a second and, and think about the truth, these narratives that are in the Bible. You see, the Bible is not bashful about what it needs to say. There are some juicy stories in the Bible. So who needs a gossip blog when you got these stories in the Bible? All you need to do is read the text with a little bit of it. A little bit of imagination and the rich narratives of the Bible, which my brothers and sisters are true. They are historical. They are historical narratives. But those stories in the Bible will be will be as good or better than any gossip blog or any fiction novel that you can find. And so this episode with David and Uriah's wife Bathsheba It continues, and it gets even more scandalous. So David, he lays with Bathsheba, Uriah's wife, and she conceives a child. And when David finds out that Bathsheba is pregnant, he comes up with a scheme to get Uriah to come in from the battlefield in order to be intimate with Bathsheba, So David can pass off the conceived child as Uriah's child. But Uriah is so noble that he refuses to go in and have a good time with his wife while the armies are out fighting in battle. So my brothers and sisters, now now David is caught between a rock and a hard place, as they say. His initial scheme didn't work, so now he's going to be forced to admit that he was wrong, right? Wrong. (laughs) He does just as most of us would do, as you and I would do, and he comes up with another scheme that is more scandalous than the first one. So David tells the the commander of his armies to to put Uriah on the front lines of the battle. He tells his commander... When they are in the most intense part of the battle, step back and abandon Uriah so that he is left alone to be killed. I can only imagine Uriah's countenance as he recognizes what's happening to him on the battlefield. As he is standing at one moment shoulder to shoulder with his brothers in battle. And as they step back and begin to abandon him. King David, the man after God's own heart, had an innocent man killed. My brothers and sisters, this was this was not David's greatest moment, (laughs) not by far. But God had already promised in Second Samuel, chapter seven, that David's kingdom would be established forever. So David's mistake would not stop God's plan. 
So what do these scandalous stories in the Bible, what do they show us? What do they demonstrate to us? And why did the Holy Ghost, why did the Holy Spirit allow these stories to be recorded? It would have been better to to just leave these stories out of the Bible, right? And we as Christians, we, we love the mountaintop stories, but we hate the valleys. But my brothers and sisters, there are no mountain peaks without valleys. And these types of narratives show us that God can use broken down, messed up, busted up, beat up, and downright jacked up situations for his glory. There is nothing in all of creation that will stop or can stop God's plan. If God sets his mind on something, it is good as done, and there is nothing that you or I can do to stop God's plan from happening. So, my brothers and sisters, we just celebrated a couple days ago uh, the Advent, the, uh, the Christmas holiday. And, you know, for, for some of my critics who may be out there or, or Bible scholars, um, Jesus was likely not born on December 25th. <laughs> uh, historical evidence and textual evidence right in the Bible Uh, shows us that it is highly unlikely that Jesus was born in the middle of winter. But Christmas is the time of year that the church has designated to celebrate the advent of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus of Nazareth was an actual historical person. He lived and walked the earth just as sure as I stand before you today. But my brothers and sisters, he was more than that. Jesus is Emmanuel. He is God with us. God, the son, the second person of the Trinity, the divine word from John one who took on flesh and dwelt among us. He was from the beginning. He was with God and he was God. And Colossians two tells us that the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in him bodily. Jesus is the God man. He is truly God. Whatever is true to be said about God is true about Jesus. And he is truly man. Whatever is true to be said about man except sin is true of the Lord Jesus. During Christmas, we celebrate this fact that God did not leave us utterly hopeless, but he himself came into our world to save us from our sins. But the Advent narrative, in all of its splendor and glory, introduces us to yet another scandal. Matthew 1, verses 18 through 25. In this narrative, we we have a portion of the narrative surrounding the birth of Christ. It is the belief of the Christian faith that Jesus was born of a virgin named Mary. The prophet Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 7 that the virgin will conceive and he will bear a son and will bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. This promise from Isaiah 7 is fulfilled here in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. But let's take a step back. And consider the picture that is being painted for us here. You see, in Matthew 
chapter 1, there have been centuries of silence between the prophets of the Old Testament and the time of Joseph and Mary. People are going about their lives, but they are waiting. They are anticipating the promises of God to still be fulfilled. People are going on about their lives. And now Joseph and Mary are engaged to be married, and they are waiting for their wedding day. Mary has found the perfect wedding gown with a flowing train. (laughs) The perfect venue for the wedding has been selected. All the bridesmaids have been fitted for their dresses, and all of the groomsmen have been fitted for their tuxes. The caterer has been secured, and Mary has selected the finest of kosher foods for the reception and the finest of wine for the after party. The family has made their reservations, and the preacher has been selected, and he knows his assignment. Let's make this a quick wedding. Everything is perfect. This will be a wedding to remember. And then one day, while Mary is going over the details of her wedding, she finds out that God is about to use her of all people, to fulfill the words of the prophet Isaiah from Isaiah chapter 7. So an angel of the Lord appears to Mary and tells her, you're going to be a mom. Can you imagine what is going through Mary's mind at this time? Luke's gospel tells us that Mary was troubled. And the question on her mind that she vocalizes is, how is it possible that I'm going to have a child and I've never been with a man? And the angel explains to Mary that the Spirit of God would give her the child and she would call him Jesus. And in fact, what the angel said came to pass. Now Mary is pregnant and Joseph ain't the daddy. So now, pregnant Mary has to break the news to Joseph. So Mary calls Joseph in the room and tells him to sit down because they need to talk. And she breaks the news to Joseph the best way she knows how. Joe, you know I love you, right? He replies, absolutely. Joe, you know I would never betray our love or do anything to hurt you, right? Again, Joseph replies in the affirmative, but old Joe is starting to get a little concerned. So he asks Mary, what is this all about? What's wrong? And Mary replies, I'm late. And Joseph replies, oh, okay, you had me worried for a second. I'll go and get the donkey saddled, and we can head out because I know know you got a lot of planning to do for this wedding. And and Mary cuts him off. And she says, no, 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 Joe, you don't understand. I'm late. Now it's starting to register with Joseph in his mind exactly what Mary is saying. 
But to be sure, he asks her, are you saying what I think you're saying? Mary, and Mary replies, yes, Joe, I'm pregnant. Can you imagine the terror, the hurt, the shame, the embarrassment that Joseph must have felt when he heard these words? You see, there's not a lot of information about Joseph in the Bible, but it seems that Matthew is describing a person who is it was quite noble. Verse 19 says that Joseph, being a just man, was unwilling to put Mary to shame and wanted to handle the matter privately. After he found out the news that Mary was pregnant and the baby wasn't his, he decided this marriage is over. But he also decided that he wouldn't embarrass Mary publicly by shaming her. Now, I want you to understand how God is at work in this situation. Because according to tradition found in Deuteronomy 22, Joseph could have sent Mary back to her father's house if he was still living. And he could have had Mary stoned. He could have had Mary executed. So. If this scandal gets out of control, if this news gets out and if it gets out of control, it could threaten the plan of God. Also, think about this. Isn't it amazing that people had been anticipating the promised Messiah? But when the Messiah showed up exactly the way that God promised he would, God had to sovereignly protect the child. Because people doubted the fulfillment of Isaiah 7. Isaiah had prophesied already that the virgin would conceive and give birth to Emmanuel. But when it happened, the same exact way that he said it would, it was still hard to understand. And sometimes, my brothers and sisters, for us, God's solutions to our problems don't come in the form that we anticipate. And sometimes... His solutions are completely beyond our understanding. But the saying is true. God works in mysterious ways. And the point is. God is. At work. God always keeps his promises. He always fulfills his promises. There is no obstacle that is too great for for God to overcome. There is no enemy that is too powerful for God to bring down. There is no mind that is too intelligent for God to humble. God can take our doubts and make them into faith. God can take our mess and make a miracle. And that is exactly what God does in this story. God takes what looks like an ugly mess and he makes it beautiful. And while Joseph was trying to ponder, while he was trying to figure out how he could call off this engagement, this betrothal to Mary without embarrassing her, Joseph fell asleep, and that made him vulnerable. And while Joseph was asleep, God invaded his dreams. God interrupted Joseph's plans because God had a plan of his own. And my brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that 
God will interrupt our plans when we get outside of his plan. And God sends his angel to talk to Joseph. And he told them that Mary's pregnancy was God's plan. The angel told Joseph that Mary had, in fact, been faithful to him. But this was the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy in Isaiah 7 that the world has been longing for. The angel told Joseph that the savior of the entire world is now in the womb of your bride. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he was a changed man. He decided not to call off the wedding. And the text shows us that he married Mary, he married Mary. That's a tongue twister. Despite the scandal that would befall them from public backlash. You see, the community would have known, they would have been able to perceive that there were only two possibilities concerning the conception of Jesus. Either Jesus was conceived by Joseph and Mary out of wedlock, or Jesus wasn't Joseph's baby. But during this time, either scenario would have been embarrassing. But God wasn't going to allow a perceived scandal to stop salvation from coming and entering into the world. God took a scandal and he turned it into salvation. And my brothers and sisters, we can rejoice that God has done the same in our story. I'm glad that the scandal of the gospel makes you and I scandal free. Do you, my brothers and sisters, understand the scandalous nature of the gospel? The gospel is the story of God's divine intervention. You see, Christ is the seed of Eve who crushes the head of the serpent. Christ is the descendant from David who realizes God's never-ending kingdom. And I want you all to get used to me saying this because I, I love this line now. The gospel is the story about the hero dying for the villain. That's scandalous. <laughs> Jesus didn't, he didn't die for his friends. Jesus died for his enemies. My brothers and sisters, that, that's scandalous. The gospel can cover every wretched, evil, wicked, radically depraved sin. That's scandalous. The gospel is a free gift that God does not require us to work for. There's no good that any of us can do to earn God's salvation. That comes through the gospel and through the gospel alone, my brothers and sisters. That's scandalous. We believe a scandalous gospel that says, come unto me, all who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest to the world. It is scandalous to let the guilty go free. But Jesus covers all of our guilty stains with his shed blood. We impute our sins to Christ and he imputes his righteousness to us. We are declared righteous because of the scandalous gospel. So there is no sin that makes you, my brothers and sisters, 
too far gone that God cannot save you. There's no mountain too high. And there's no valley too low. And there is no river too wide to keep you away from God's love. And his love is displayed towards us, for us, in the scandalous nature, the true story of the gospel. So my brothers and sisters, we can celebrate the truth and reality of Christ's first advent. And we can look forward to his second advent. This is an amazing, true story. Lord, I, th- I thank you, God, that you have delivered us. You have made us scandal free by the truth of your scandalous gospel. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you you are good. You can take something so messy and make it beautiful. I shudder to imagine what I would have done if I were in Joseph's shoes. But Lord, you have saw fit to let nothing stop your plan. Lord, I thank you that you turned Joseph's doubt into faith. Because now we can all rejoice in the fact that Jesus was born of the virgin. And that he grew in stature and obedience. That he lived a perfectly sinless life on our behalf and he died at Calvary. And he resurrected from the grave after three days with all authority. So we put our faith and our hope and our trust in the risen Christ. Lord, we thank you for taking our stories and making them beautiful. Lord, I pray for anyone who believes that they are so scandalous that they cannot be made clean by your shed blood. Spirit, I pray that you would work on their heart and work on their mind. Free them from their guilt and from their shame. Because, Lord, you take our stories and make them beautiful. It is in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit that I do pray. Amen.